I didn't want to regret it at like, you know, 50 and 60 and be like, could I have done it? Would I have been successful? And I didn't want to live with that regret. So I quit and I went to culinary school. Welcome to Big Little Choices. I'm Shri and this show is about the amazing women and moms that all of us are surrounded with. Each episode will feature a woman that I admire and someone who has made a bold and unconventional choice because it's what's best for her and her family. This show is also about building community so you can hear stories that make you feel inspired and empowered to make choices that are right for you. I hope you enjoy the show. My guest today, Joyce, shares her story of making choices that led her to follow her dream of starting a bakery business. Joyce grew up in a family that was passionate about food. But that wasn't something that she ever considered pursuing professionally, particularly since it wasn't a career that her family encouraged. But following a degree in mass communications, she found her way to some of the most successful tech companies in the Bay Area, which is where her idea to explore her interest in food slowly began. In about 2009, towards the time when I started thinking about um, leaving Google, that's when I started thinking more about other things I was interested in. And since I was thinking about leaving Google, I had a little bit more time on my hands to do more stuff. And one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to go hang out in the kitchen with the Google chefs. And so I asked around and I got a a short little stint with um, one of the pastry chefs named Pauline who had worked at Bouchon. She was the woman responsible for the Bouchon recipe at Bouchon. And Bouchon is one of the most famous uh, restaurants. Most famous um, bakeries in Yountville, California, um, run by Thomas Keller of Mm -hmm. the Thomas Keller Restaurant Group. So I got a very short stage, which is a unpaid internship apprenticeship that you get with um, a a restaurant or a kitchen and it's very industry standard to go work at restaurants for free in order to gain the skills necessary to to become like a a better chef and so um, really ambitious or really driven people will go and do stages at as many places as they can and at the best restaurants that they can get into essentially. At the end of 2015 or so, um, that's kind of where I come to the realization that, you know, I'm getting old, like I'm 30, I'm 30 and it's, it's time I, I either have a kid or it's time for me to like, you know, do my last hurrah in terms of actually like changing careers. It's kind of like the last chance I would get to change my careers because if I didn't, I would probably stay at Facebook for the rest of my life because the benefits are so good and they treat their employees well. And I actually really liked the folks that I was working with and the things that I was working on. Um, They they were really interesting projects. So I decided it was a really, really tough situation and a really tough decision for me to make, but I decided that I had to do it. Like I had to do it for myself. I didn't want to regret it at like, you know, 50 and 60 and be like, could I have done it? Would I have been successful? Um, and I didn't want to live with that regret. So I quit and I went to culinary school. And that's an interesting decision, right? Because you weren't particularly unhappy with your job in tech. It no, wasn't that, it, you know, it's you not that I hated it. Exactly. And I, it's not like I hated my boss or my, like any of my team. Like they were all great. Like I, I can't say that that was what pushed me over the edge because it wasn't. Um, I had, I had a great time and I had a good six years like working for Facebook. 
but i'm assuming that despite the financial security that comes with working at you know very well established tech companies like this there was still some hesitation in terms of quitting this job mm-hmm. and making the decision of saying i'm going to pursue something that might not lead to anything but is just something that i have to do and sort of figure out before i get on to the next chapter in my life it was super hard so like it was a lot of looking at the bank account and making sure that we had enough saved and what our runway was like what is the runway for me to actually do this before like i have to call it a failure so um working in pastry you you're lucky if you make five figures like above $50,000 that's actually a very good salary for um working in the kitchen a lot of the times so like that's kind of the most you can kind of hope for out of working working for for the food industry um kind of in the kitchen so it was really really hard because I was going to take a really large pay cut and a lot of it is ego too because you do go around a lot telling people you know this is what I do this is where I work and your parents get some sort of prestige out of telling their friends that you work at XYZ company and it's this like recognizable brand name that they use every single day and so for them like you know it's it was a really hard paradigm shift for them to go from like oh yeah you know my my daughter is really working at this great tech company and she's very comfortable and very financially secure to like you know she quit her job and she like making cake uh, yeah she's that's what she does full time so it was hard for me from an ego perspective but it was also hard for them too because it's like now they have to explain my narrative switch to all their buddies too and it's it's hard for them because they talk about their kids a lot and that's kind of what you know that's what all parents do they just want to brag about their kids to all their friends and compare notes and see who's doing what and like you know how many grandchildren what's their title what's their status how much money are they making So Joyce quit her job and made her way to culinary school. While at culinary school, she decided to explore as many staging opportunities as she could and ended up at very well-established restaurants in San Francisco like Spruce and Neighbors Bakehouse. And along the way, she started to work on this idea of starting an upscale Asian bakery. But Joyce felt like she needed even more experience before venturing out on her own, and that was when a pretty amazing opportunity came her way. So you're staging at a bunch of different places. You also choose mm-hmm. to go to cooking school at that point to do a 6-month program over there. And as you're ready to graduate, mm-hmm. you get an opportunity of a lifetime at one of the most amazing restaurants in the world. So talk to me a little bit about what happened and how you ended up in Spain. Sure. So in um in 2016, Elsayer de Canroca was on their world tour. So these days um it's not necessarily musicians that go on world tours top chefs also go on world tours and tell me a little bit about this restaurant so el sayer de con roca is currently the world's number 2 restaurant um according to san pellegrino and um they've also been in the number 1 position for 2 years as well um but they're currently uh one of the top spanish restaurants doing a lot of molecular gastronomy um and jordi roca who the pastry chef is that I I worked under um during my time there he has a Netflix special on the chef's table showcasing all the work that he's done too and there also a three michelin star restaurant yes correct three michelin star restaurant um and pushing the envelope in all sorts of crazy ways so how did you end up over there so i ended up staging for the restaurant um as a opportunity that my cooking school provided um 
they essentially chose a bunch of their top students to go and work for this uh, restaurant for two weeks when they were on their world tour in San Francisco. So at the end of this two week stint at El Cier de Conroca, you're selected as one of the two participants who are gonna get a all expense paid trip to Spain to intern at the mothership for three to four months. Mm -hmm. And by then you also have your three month old daughter, Lily. Mm -hmm. You're pregnant in utero, of course. Yeah. And it's a tough decision to make. So what happened then? How did you make that decision of, you know what, I'm gonna uproot myself from here at some point, either with baby in utero or outside, yeah. and move to Spain? Well, you, from a cooking, in the cooking world, it's not very often that you get the opportunity to work for a three-star Michelin restaurant. like it doesn't oftentimes end up falling in your lap um, without a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and a lot of begging. And so the fact that I won an all-expenses-paid internship to Spain um, from this really, really prestigious restaurant, it was kind of one of those opportunities of a lifetime that I just couldn't pass up. And I, I knew from the get-go when I won it that there was a good chance that I probably, I might not be able to get to Spain because of the baby or because it was going to be too difficult or logistically it's just it just wasn't going to pan out so that was a lot of what was actually running through my mind at that time i just i wasn't sure if it was even realistic but i knew that i had to try to get there um, however i could by whatever means and so i remember calling my mother um on, on a plane ride back from LA where I was taking a croissant making class the day after I had finished staging and won my internship um, spot in Spain. And I told her that I, I would I had won a trip to Spain, all expenses paid, and um, but I didn't know how I was gonna do it with the baby. Um, and she offered their point blank to come with me and take care of the baby, which basically meant that my my dream could come true and I could actually go and pursue this really top-notch internship. So you get there, opportunity mm -hmm. of a lifetime, but you also have a six-month-old, mm -hmm. you're breastfeeding, your mom doesn't speak the local language. Mm -hmm. What were, you know, the difficulties or like what, what were the things you had to overcome? What were the choices you had to make in those um, four months while you were in Spain mm -hmm. to make sure that you were making the most out of this opportunity that you were given? Yeah, so essentially with this um, Michelin restaurant, with SAR de Conroca, they're actually really cutting edge in terms of the amount of work-life balance that they give to their employees. So I actually got two days off a week. That's unheard of. A lot of the employees at these types of restaurants, this caliber of restaurants, don't get any days off or maybe one day off if you're lucky. And um, a lot of them work double shifts every single day. But a lot of the time we, we were only working one shift a day. So either lunch or dinner service. And after that, you got to rest until the next day when you're doing service again. So um, they, and they were also really accommodating in giving me a private room so that I could actually breastfeed Lily um, as needed or pump as needed. Um, a lot of the other stages got put into really like huge rooms where they would share with like four or five other individuals that were also cooking at the restaurant. But mind you, they were housing all of their stages. This doesn't happen in most parts of the world. You usually have to scrape by whatever pennies you can get, live as cheaply as you can find a place and pay for all of it your own way. But um, this restaurant was extremely generous in that they were able to provide housing for most of their stages. But the, the, really, the really hard parts were really about breastfeeding and finding time to pump 
and feed and see my daughter um, in between shifts. So every two weeks you would switch shifts from like lunch shift to dinner shift. And I would only get to pump during my lunch break or during my dinner break. So that it was either before, before shift, the middle of the shift, and then right after shift. And then I'd have to run all the way back, back to my apartment about like 15 minutes away to go see my daughter and my wife or my mom. But at any point, did you think about switching to formula just so it would make it easier on you? I did. I tried. Um, and I remember, like, there was a point in which, like, we had exhausted the breast milk supply that we had brought along with us. So, like, I think I had accumulated, like, you know, 15, 10, 15 bags that I had brought with me. And I thought it would be enough. But because I was working so many hours and I was also um, not pumping enough, my supply was actually dwindling. It was not good. And so I was running out of milk very quickly. So I either had to just breastfeed Lily or pump more and I didn't have enough time to pump. So um, we tried one night. I remember putting her on formula. We had brought some with us and she just cried the entire time because it was the flavor or it was something she wasn't used to and she couldn't, she didn't like it at all. She wouldn't drink it. So we had no choice. Give her more solid food and give her more breast milk and that was kind of all we had all we could do because she wasn't having the formula at all did you ever feel like taking your child with you prevented you from making the most out of that opportunity that you had over there I probably got to spend a lot less time with the folks in the restaurant than than all the folks that had come alone Um, But I also do think my experience was enriched in ways that other folks didn't get because she was there. Like, Lily crawled for the first time while she was there. She got to ride on her first train trip. She saw the Sagrada Familia. She got to sit on the throne from Game of Thrones. Um, Like, you know, there, there were a lot of firsts for her while she was there. Like, she ate her first, like, you know, she had her first fig. Um, All sorts of things that were really fun. And... Even though like I may not have gotten to devote as much of my time to the restaurant as I wanted to, I still feel like I got a lot out of it. And because I was so driven um, and I, I was a little bit older and time wasn't on my side, I ended up working at Rocambolesque as well, like on certain Mondays that I had off to go work with their chocolate team in their pastry shop. And, like, and this is a very famous chocolate brand. Mm-hmm. It's the chocolate brand of uh, Jordi Roca, who's the pastry chef. So he had a offshoot pastry shop and um you know that he was doing on top of the restaurant the pastry side of the restaurant so there's two sides and i was like i'm not coming back to spain anytime soon so if i want to see it i need to see it now and i need to do it so um i decided that i had to go work with him and work with his um english pastry chef over at rocambolesque and see what they were doing so I feel like I pushed the envelope in certain ways that benefited me personally that other people that were younger than me weren't as driven to do. As we wrapped up our chat, I learned two things from my conversation with Joyce. One, self-awareness about how I turned down opportunities personally by using motherhood as an excuse. And second, that as busy moms, we often don't ask for help enough. I have a great support system, but often don't rely on it fully either because I'm hesitant to ask for help or because I've built this narrative in my head about trying to do it all, all by myself. So it was great for me to hear about Joyce's own experience on the importance of asking for help and how it helped her pursue an opportunity of a lifetime. 
So obviously in your case, a lot of different pieces had to fall into place, one of which is that your mom offered to come with you to Spain. Mm -hmm. What was it like asking for help? It was deeply, deeply humbling to turn to my mother, who has already given me so much in life, to actually sacrifice another three months of her life. Keep in mind, my mother has been an immigrant three times in her life. She moved to Hong Kong when she was five years old and didn't speak the language and had to go to school there. Uh, she moved again to America at the age of like 30 and didn't speak a lick of English, maybe a few, but not much. And then at the, at the age of 60, again, I asked her to move to Spain, where again, she doesn't speak any of the language to come and take care of my child uh, full time. And so like, I, I asked her to do this other Herculean task that, you know, you shouldn't be having to ask when you're an adult. But I asked anyways, and my husband for permission, obviously too, because this is just as much his life as it is mine. But I think too often, a lot of women hold themselves back by having these debates in their heads and turning down opportunities before asking for help. I would have never been able to pursue my passion if I didn't have the support of my family members, but sometimes you have to be a little bit selfish and put your needs first and kind of put everything aside and prioritize the things that really matter. Thank you for listening to this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back soon with another interview. And until then, if you have any feedback or comments on the kinds of choices you want to hear more about, let me know.